Welcome to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. Marketing is our passion, and as a chapter, we hope to inspire dialogue, fuel creativity, and create a community for marketers everywhere. Let the inspiration and dialogue begin. We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe to our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Hello, I'm your host, Josh Janowiak. Today's topic, marketing and sales, why marketing comes first. The silos between sales and marketing are legendary. If you've ever worked for an organization where the two departments live together in peace and harmony, consider your company a unicorn. It's more common to hear how marketing folks think sales are comprised of a bunch of lazy divas and how sales folks think marketing is a bunch of creatives who make branded coffee cups and t-shirts and don't generate any real value. The evolution of marketing, the digital transformation of marketing makes it possible to qualify and quantify marketing's value and enforce the rules by which sales engages with potential customers, but only if you put the right processes and systems in place. Today, we'll be sharing insights on how the emerging field of marketing operations and the transition to self-educating buyers has changed the sales and marketing dynamic to one of interwoven dependencies with marketing coming first. From inbound strategies to a demand generation waterfall to the necessary elements in a service level agreement between sales and marketing, we'll offer up helpful tools to start breaking down silos and creating a path to marketing and sales nirvana. Does that not send chills down your spine, Megan? It does. Gosh, I love that whole introduction. I'm just super excited for today's chat. That's uh, whoever on our AMA team that wrote that, that was the intro for the lunch and uh, it, it paints a... That was actually the One Bold Step team. Yeah. They did that? They did that. Oh, we would love to take credit for that, but that is you guys. Yes, absolutely. We, we're about to meet the uh, mysterious people behind the curtain here in just a minute. Well, first of all, co-host today, Megan Pear. She is our AMA West Michigan president. Thank you, Megan. And yeah, uh, the reason that this whole podcast is is here right now. Let's meet our guests. So Jennifer Jurgen, CEO and co-founder of One Bold Step, and Adam Clark, president and co-founder of One Bold Step. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role there at One Bold Step. Sure. Thanks for having me here today. We, um, I actually started One Bold Step back in 2012 um, when I was looking to do something outside of uh, just... Uh, I guess making making money, and I wanted to have a company that also focused on some more philanthropic efforts. So I did some work with clean water systems and foster care, and in that process, I got recruited into working for a nonprofit. So one one bold step went on the shelf for a little bit, uh, but after uh, years in that industry and then a return to technology. It called me again. It was time to bring it back out and. Um, apply it again to what we see as a huge transition in buyer behavior and innovations in marketing operations that have completely changed, I think, how marketing should be viewed in most organizations. Was the nonprofit, was that Susan G. Komen? That was. That's a pretty big one. Yes. Awesome. All right, Adam, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be at One Bold Step. Well, thank you first for having us on. Uh, So I joined One Bold Step in January of this year, and I'm excited because I saw an opportunity for sales and marketing alignment. So I was always had a sales background and realized that how do I get more leads? I really started to get into more of that digital marketing and that aspect of creating and generating the leads. But I also realized it's really key for follow-up, right? Salespeople aren't very good at that follow-up. So how can marketing help with that follow-up? So that's how I got involved with it from a systems and process side. Over-promising and under-delivering, right? Isn't that the, the sales <laughs> <Yes>. crux? <laughs> it is definitely worth noting. So you guys have a new website, oneboldstep.com, which can be the number or the word one spelled out, correct? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> awesome. And uh, went there. The, the website is beautiful. So any information that you want, of course, you can go to the website, learn more about One Bold Step and what they're doing. So let's talk about One Bold Step. Let's start with the name because it sounds like there's some significance and meaning behind that. There are so many ways you can apply that, right? So it was a combination of uh, every journey begins with a single step, right? And uh, adding the word bold because both Adam and I have left corporate 
positions uh, to go out on our own as entrepreneurs. So it was definitely a bold step. But I also think that it really works well with the types of projects that we do. A lot of innovation and innovators and visionaries that we work with, um, they can see this gigantic picture in their heads of, of Nirvana or whatever their idea is. But really what it comes down to is what's the first step and the next step and the next step. And our solutions actually lay that out for people. And what we're finding is it helps organizations actually translate maybe what their visionary CEO is hoping to do into tactics and uh, plans that they can actually follow. So a, lo- a lot of different meanings, but uh, all together, everything starts with one step, right? I yeah. love that. Such a great, such a great thought process behind that too. And it really speaks to your company culture, I think. And the process that you guys use, so very nice. How do you, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Yeah, exactly. One <laughs> bite at a time, one step, right? Right. It yep. Goes to that as well. Yeah. Well, and that really goes back to the entrepreneur panel, which is a lunch we just held earlier this week. That podcast will be coming up as well. But one of the big takeaways from that, from the entrepreneurs, were to take that step. They talked about you can have all the plans, you can do all the business plans, but if you never launch it, if you never start it, that is the biggest hurdle. So that really resonates with just getting out there, yeah. taking a step. I think it's inherent to marketers too, right? We're just bold people in general. And so marketing is a bold profession. So I love that. And I think there's one of these things where everybody has that idea and they said, oh man, what if I did did this? What what would it take? And I think it's about that go to market and taking that bold step and actually creating and saying, I'm going to do it and execute on it. It's important. So boiling it down, what do you do? What do you focus on there at One Bold Step? Well, we've worked quite some time now at, at trying to bring this down into one statement. So we we like to say we are a marketing strategy and operations firm. Uh, Not a lot of people understand marketing operations. So we follow that up with um, one of my favorite analogies, which is the lean transformation of marketing. So I have a supply chain background. Um, And I love this idea that we go through the project with a lean process. Align the few, uh, enable. So alignment is strategic. Enable is looking at people, and processes, and then improve. So uh, a lot of the things that we use are based on supply chain and lean uh, methodologies. So for example, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Um, So we really go at the marketing uh, department from a very scientific and process-oriented approach. So people might come up to us and say, marketing, ooh, can you tell me about what you think of my logo? And uh, Adam knows, I will say, <laughs> I don't do pretty. Yeah. That is not the type of marketing we are talking about. We're talking about strategic alignment. Why does marketing matter to the C-suite and the organization? What are they doing to drive the strategic objectives in the organization? And then how do we how do we turn up the crank to make that mm-hmm. to make that happen throughout the year? And I think there's a part of it that's follow up with the execution side of it. So I look at it as a little bit of a marketing bench as well. So, you know, you have the strategy, but what's happening? How do you execute marketing well? Most of our clients actually have a marketing team, some of them two to 10 people. And so how do you help them fill that bench of execution side? They might have missing pieces and gaps there that we can help them with. Yeah. Well, in today's, I mean, consumer market, this is the type of marketing we need to be doing. Right. The whole Mm -hmm. career path and the whole profession has shifted and changed. So I love that you guys are taking this and and really focusing on the operational aspect and driving ROI. Exactly. It's very, very important. So every C-suite wants that Mm -hmm. ROI. It's very, very important to see that number at the end of it. What did we get for our marketing spend? But I'm always surprised by the executives that ask me, well, why, why do you need to know our strategic goals overall to work on our marketing plan? Whereas to us, that is, that's it. That's, it. that's, that's the, the basis of everything. If marketing is off and working on branding and things like that, those are important things, but they're not particularly strategic. And that's why marketing is usually thought of as overhead mm-hmm. and why when things get tight and tough, marketing budgets get cut. Now, if marketing is directly tied to results, then we become a value add. And I think that's really the positioning that Adam and I are working on with all of our clients right now. Yeah. Well, it's that shift from marketing as a cost center to a profit. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Well, and I think with the changing of the advertising and marketing landscape going from traditional to digital, now with digital, we have so many more opportunities to 
quantify, qualify, track that data. So let's talk a little bit about the evolution of marketing and is there a way that you can still integrate traditional into your digital and or how do you do that? Uh, well, it's um, it's very much integrated now. So there's the, it used to be there was the traditional marketing space, which would be your print and your billboard and your overall. Um, and then there would be now this emerging new digital. And I can't think of uh, a campaign that we've done recently that hasn't had elements of both traditional and net new. And the types of systems that we implement anymore are there to track not just how did someone react to this one piece or this one thing, but overall, how did a person experience all the different touch points of the campaign uh, where we're producing campaign influence reports? It's not any one thing that got this person to purchase or to become qualified. It's all of these things and all of these touch points. So I think looking at the full marketing mix um, continues to be incredibly important, and it's just gotten easier to track more of it. Sure, absolutely. And we also know, and that's why that whole marketing and sales silos, breaking those silos, it's important to work with sales because we know there's that follow-up. We know there's that communication. So there's so many different touch points that a, a potential client or a lead is getting uh, in order to close and actually become a customer. So there's we've got to break down those silos, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this type of marketing, and maybe you can touch on this a little bit, actually helps sales. I mean, you're providing valuable insights. So can you talk a little bit about that process and how that can help break down some of those silos? Yeah, it's really uh, it's really fun when it starts out. If you're not accustomed to having a demand generation function within the marketing team and you're a salesperson, you'll find, whoa, what are all these leads? Um, and you'll either love them or hate them, right? Uh, and then there'll be this constant back and forth between too many leads, unqualified leads, not enough leads. <laughs> you know, how many leads are the right leads? Right. So w- we've actually taken uh, even a a process approach to this shocker <laughs> but to do the you know the backwards or the reverse demand gen waterfalls to say to sales what are your goals how many of uh, how much of your revenue goal should be marketing influenced mm-hmm. uh, and then let's take from that uh, maybe average sale and determine the number of deals you need to close and then we'll go backwards you know how many how many sales came from how many sales qualified leads How many marketing qualified leads did it take? How many leads did it take? How many eyeballs did marketing need to get in front of in order to, at the bottom of the funnel, generate the right number of sales? And because we're using a mathematical basis and continuing to update those conversion rates as we learn, I think that it makes it so much easier for salespeople to understand Yes, marketing and sales go together mm-hmm. because there's this there's this not even a linear handoff anymore because sales might touch them for a part of the of the cycle, but um, marketing will come right back in, right? If you've got a recurring monthly revenue that you're looking for or a cross sell opportunity um, or a replacement sell, marketing has to come right back in even after you've converted that lead to a customer to continue speaking to con- you know to continue to have that relationship. That sounds all fine and good, but how do you get marketing and sales on the same page heading the same direction? So one of the things that we've done is we've created like an, an agreement in place for sales. So sales and marketing. So there should be goals. Marketing should be held to a goal number for those things. So how many marketing qualified, how many sales qualified? Because I know there's a lot of sales teams that have that goal number, that revenue number that they need to hit. Marketing should have that as well. So one of the play- things, like I mentioned, is actually coming and saying, here's an agreement. Here's it. You should sign it. You should make it fun as a team member to actually go through this report. Look Look at it quarterly. So are you hitting your numbers? Did you exceed it? Did did you not meet it? And here's why. And have that balance. And I, like I said, mention it to, to have fun with it. You know, have a pizza party if there's success. Have some beers if there's success. But make it a fun and have that agreement in place. We call it the, sometimes refer to it as a service level agreement. Mm-hmm. So we marketing will do this and you sales will do that. And we shake hands on it. Um and, and make sure because it's it's going to take both departments to get the end result. So skin in the game from both departments is really important. 
And I think there's just that piece of communication between the teams and that understanding of what do we mean by a marketing qualified lead? And a lot of times, you know, the systems that you can put in place, obviously there's scoring, there's that follow-up that can be automatic. What does it really take to get those type of leads? And if you're really communicating and putting that in agreement where everybody's on the same page, there's alignment there. So what kind of systems do you need to track these kinds of conversions? You need a couple of different systems. So we'll start out with um, CRM, of which there are just a few to choose from. <laughs> How many? Days. How many of those have we got, Jennifer? <laughs> yeah, what are our choices? We have like three or four, maybe? Plethora. Is that a good word for that? There's thousands. Uh, thousands. There's thousands. Um, so uh, kind of an, on, an ongoing joke with, with us and a couple other folks in town that implement CRM is, what's the best CRM? Mm-hmm. We get that it? question Everybody a lot, asks. Yeah. Everybody asks. The answer is very simple. It is the one that your team will actually use. That's the one that you want. And that can look different, right, depending upon upon the industry. There are a couple of big players out there, Salesforce and uh, uh, HubSpot's now rolled out a, a free sort of competitive CRM product. And, uh, gosh, Zoho, you can just go, you down, can the go down the list. Go down the list. But um, a good CRM is important in that the, the that is when – that's the sales world, really. That's where they're recording all of their interactions with the current customers and the prospects. And that data has to be available for marketing to access in order for marketing to know if what they're producing is actually working or not. Um, Many of the CRMs are starting to play in the email marketing side or the marketing automation space. Um, But marketing automation tools are equally as important because in that world, you're really dealing with the whole universe of potential targets um, and you're in that in that space of starting to find, define, nurture, track, uh, and you're sort of building the background to uh, to give to the salesperson. So we typically recommend systems where there's a marketing automation and a CRM that are highly integrated um, and also flexible, so that whatever your sales process is, we can tweak both systems to match. How, how you do things. Sure. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit too, because I know you're a process girl, um, and I am too, and I love that. But we talk about systems and softwares. You got to have the strategy and process in place before you get to the software, correct? Correct. There's a lot of whiteboarding mm-hmm. that goes that goes on. Um, and it's really interesting because people will, if they know enough about a certain system, their default is to go into how that system already does it. Um, and so we're, we're really careful to say, stop thinking about what your current system does. Talk about what you want your sales and marketing process to be. Um, and there's a lot of colors, a lot of whiteboarding, a lot of process flows um, until we actually decide which systems are we going to purchase and implement and how are we going to implement them. Uh, there's a ton of trial and error before we buy the system. Right. We've also run into people that have implemented a system and haven't really fully implemented the system. So they're only using small pieces of it, you know, 20% of the whole 100% of the software. Mm-hmm. And so it's about looking at and going, did you finish this? Are you really following through on the processes and systems you put in place? You probably made a good decision with your CRM or even marketing automation, but you really never finished the project and got done with it. And so that's a key too sure. of making sure that once you map this out, you actually follow through and, and deliver on it. Yeah, adoption's key. And it goes right back to that quote you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, The CRM that's going to work best for you is the one that you're going to use because it's based on what you guys need and your strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, a common theme with uh, Dan and DPT that we did on, on some MarTech solutions and a common theme that's been in a lot of our AMA lunches and presentations about uh, making sure that you have a list of your goals, a list of your needs before you go and chase any new technology because people are so eager to just, oh, this is going to solve all our problems. And then they put all their resources into that. And well, it doesn't solve all their problems. So mm-hmm. really doing that full analysis that was um, that started with Dan and DPT. And then we got a podcast coming up on pace layering. We did one of our tech talks that also kind of delved even deeper into that that whole issue, which which I find I find fascinating um, at work. We do not have a CRM system yet. And it's something that we're we're exploring right now. So I'm very excited about what some of these can do for us. We do use MailChimp, and I know that MailChimp is getting more robust and and can be kind of used towards that. But for a smaller organization, do you work with many smaller organizations that don't have these big enterprise tools? And if so, how do you steer them or at least get them started? 
Yeah, I think one of the things I would add to your list of what you need to look at before you buy a system would be your key performance indicators. Um, because if you have set goals and these are what you're going to be measuring yourself on, it's really important that you have those in mind before you go into setting up a system to ensure that the, the reports and the dashboards are actually going to be useful to you. There's so many of them that come with these canned reports and things that are, uh, my favorite, interesting, but not actionable. Um, and so you need to go into the system with outcomes in your mind and maybe even on paper um, before you start putting it together. There's there's so many that we, we work with a lot of smaller clients now, and we've had um, really good uh, I guess, response from the newer products on the HubSpot side, but you've also, Adam, done some work with SharpSpring, and um, we have a lot of clients that do run Salesforce. Um, we do have clients that run MailChimp, and we are, we'd like to say we're technology uh, platform agnostic, because we'll come in, we'll work with what you have, or we'll help you find something that's the best fit for for you. And my favorite thing is a lot of our clients, you know, there's even the smaller ones that we work with, they'll be using a spreadsheet, and let's overwhelm them with leads where they can't use a spreadsheet anymore. So one of the, you know, let them, uh, you know, adjust their process because we start to actually do some more demand gen and actually show them this is how you create leads. And so there's pieces of that that's exciting too. So as you look at systems, you start generating more of that traction by generating the leads and having to go to a system. Yeah. And I love your talk about the KPIs too because I think as marketers, we can kind of get turned off from some of these systems because it's data insight overload, right? And Mm -hmm. it just paralyzes us. There's just so much out there that we can look at. If we're only zeroing in on what matters most to us, then that helps us focus. The really, one of the favorite things that that come around near the, you know, after we've been with a client for six months or so, is when they can actually see how the marketing metrics roll up to, right, the team overall goals roll up and under the overall organizational goals. And now you've got these cascading KPIs where anyone who ever doubted that marketing was value add doesn't doubt it anymore. It's just that straightforward. And we absolutely love to build those models um, that just make it so, so obvious. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. This is a little bit of a personal marketing nerd moment, but the first time I had that in my position where I could actually prove the value, I cried a little. I'm not kidding. (laughs) It was just like, it was like a euphoric moment. Tears of of joy. Tears of joy because you finally, you know, we believe as marketers and, and we know what the value we provide, but to be able to kind of bring that back to the true bottom line of a business it was like a beautiful moment. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, and you brought this up, Jen, when you did the presentation for AMA of, we talked about how do you get budget, right? I think mm-hmm. somebody asked that question and how you get budget is you prove that you're making an impact. And if you can show that metrics, it's way easier at the end of the year when you're going over your next year's budget to say, this is what I brought in for marketing. This is the number I need to keep that going and actually make it better. And so I think that's really important just to call out. Yeah, and the right type of things. So if if you have been doing an event or something for so long and we think it works. Time to prove it. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. I want to highlight that you mentioned cascading KPIs, and that just sounds so majestic to me. Like, I got this picture in my mind of these KPIs falling down this funnel. We talk about demand gen waterfalls. <laughs> oh, my God. Cascading KPIs. Nirvana. Oh, we need this. Look at this. This, this is like this whole chat is just marketing. I know, right? Porn. <laughs> we have to. It's just beautiful. I know. It's beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> okay. Um, back, back to the question. Josh. Back on KPIs, though, before we get. Yeah, I digress. Are there any standard KPIs that transfer along a lot of different clients, or are they completely different from client to client? No, I would think that um, just the overall return on marketing investment is a big one. So what was your marketing budget, and then how much revenue or margin did you generate with that budget is a very universal one. Um, We like to break that down into segments, though, either around campaigns or initiatives, i.e., did trade shows prove return on marketing and uh, investment, right? So the, the deeper we can dive in, the more that we can do with that. Um, I think that uh, customer lifetime value is an interesting one. We like to see that increasing if we're doing, you know, if we have a cross-sell uh, objective or a recurring revenue objective. Uh, the, the big ones right now in any of the SaaS um, software offerings, right, is MRR, monthly recurring revenue, and ARR, 
annually recurring revenue. So there, there are a couple of standards um, that we see over and over again, but sometimes businesses are really focused on net new client acquisition, you know, that, and, and that becomes, that becomes the KPI. There's also that piece of if your organization has a customer satisfaction goal, mm-hmm. right? Your net promoter score. So there's times where yeah, you can measure mm-hmm. you can measure that as well. So it depends on what your organization is trying to track, which is why we try to say marketing sales alignment to the organizational goals. Absolutely. Well, let's touch on that for a minute because I'm a customer experience uh, junkie. Love it. Um, and, and I think some of these systems and these processes in place can really help fuel the uh, the client experience and customer experience. So can you talk a little bit how that all integrates? That's a great question. It, one of those pieces are, especially as you look at more technology companies going to a SaaS model, Jen just brought this up, there's a lot of times where you need that follow-up. So many clients now that have a SaaS-based technology, it's easy for them just to leave the tool because they can go somewhere else. And so making sure that marketing not only closes the gap on making them a customer, but has that engagement, that follow-through, that keeps them a customer mm-hmm. is very, very important. So making sure, I think that's why you have a marketing automation and a CRM so when it closes, it goes right back to marketing. You're talking to them, maybe upselling them, and there's that follow-up that occurs. That nurture process that isn't just for lead generation, but for client engagement. Client engagement. It's also great because we've had clients that when they're engaging a customer now at give us a review. So we've actually tied Salesforce to a uh, support site. So when a support manager gets that call and has a great success, follow up with a little nurturing funnel that says, will you give us a great review? Because there was a positive outcome there. So I think that's a follow-up that then turns around and says they left a review on like a Captera or Gardner or a software advice or those type of tools. And there's that, now it looks great for marketing because now they're just creating that funnel, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. I have some definition questions. Yes. Um, what is the, what's the SaaS thing that everybody keeps talking about? Did I miss something? Did we cover that already? Software as a service. So uh, in, in the simplest terms, when you uh, used to buy Office, you bought it. Right. And now you pay for it monthly. Right. It's software as a service. Okay. Yes. And it's like so. Netflix. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, subscription-based subscription. models. Okay. Would be, soft, would be as a service. Okay. So and it's, it's becoming beyond software now. Right? Yes, it is. So yes, you, it is. Netflix movies as mm-hmm. a service or shows as a service. So it's, yep, monthly So trying to keep that customer, you have to keep them happy as they go because they're not, you know, spending all this money as a hardware and putting it on site, on-prem, which you know you're going to have them for quite a long time just because of that model. They can easily jump. So that communication coming from marketing is important. Okay, other definition question that I just want clarification on is I know that silos can be used a lot of different ways in talking about um, horizontal, vertical, or if I'm confusing. Silos definition as we're using it here as far as sales and marketing. That this is my lane and that is your lane. Okay. And uh, there used to be, I think, more where marketing said, I own this person here. And sales said, you better not talk to my customer. That's my customer. Um, and that is changing. Like I said, it's no longer a linear progression. It's a circular thing. So these walls, these these silos are coming down not only because we're communicating across the stages of a sales cycle, um, but also because we're we're continuing, you know, to have those conversations. The other the other piece about the silos coming down is that we don't have a wall between us anymore because we have an agreement, and we both need each other in equal you know, equal weight, right? So there's no, there's no who's better than who. It's a team effort. No more silos. Okay. And then my question on, so for a smaller organization, and a lot of my perspective will be from that because I've, I've worked for a lot of smaller organizations. So we start to make steps into this and starting to set KPIs and start to track some KPIs. Now for the do-it-all marketers like myself that kind of touch a little bit on everything, but don't really specialize really deep in any certain area, what kind of skills does a person need or for these medium to large size businesses is your traditional marketer qualified to start doing all of this or is this more of a what kind of skill set do you need more of a data analyst that's really crunching these these numbers i think it comes down to um there's a problem solving gene that's required uh, because you're dealing with like you said a, a smaller business you're probably not going to be able to wear a single hat 
you're going to have to be able to put multiple hats on and have that sort of, um, I'm going to jump in and figure it out. And I'm also going to prove that what I do is, is valuable. So maybe it's, um, the hardest part I think in that is finding someone who is creative and problem solving process oriented, right? So sometimes you'll find that you outsource the design side of things and bring the problem solver person in uh, to the marketing function and allow them to just rotate hats and and reach out and um, use some of the amazing firms we have in Grand Rapids to fill their bench, to, to Adam's point, right? Uh, you can't have one person who can do it all anymore, um, but you can have one person who can manage it all and pull in the pieces, parts that are needed to, to get the project done. So we've seen a lot of companies doing that. Let's talk about the stats that hurt a little. During your lunch presentation, a lot of those were very staggering and I thought very comical as well. So <laughs> you want to just run down those? Sure. Um, I'll start, I'll start right here with the big one. It's a 70% of the buyer's journey is complete before a buyer even reaches out to sales. Um, that's from serious decisions. Whereas I think that if you asked any salesperson, they would tell you that they, they found, they found that person and they nurtured them and all of that. Um, only 17% of salespeople think they're pushy compared to 50% of prospects who say the salespeople are pushy. It's <laughs> a big difference there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a big difference. discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. Only 3% of buyers actually trust sales reps. Uh, and the only professions with less credibility include car sales, politics, and lobbying. Mm. And these are, these are from uh, Serious Decisions and from a HubSpot 2018 sales stats report. So uh, only 19% of buyers uh, want to connect with a salesperson during the awareness stage of their buying process when they're first learning about the product. Huge opportunity for marketing. And I, I think I'm one of these people. There's nothing that I hate more when I'm trying to figure out or learn about a product and they won't stop calling me. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Give me, a, give me a minute here. Um, and also, more than 40% of salespeople say that prospecting is the most challenging part of the sales process. So why not, you know, why not relinquish that to the, to the marketing team? I think the most telling one, and what we, we talked about, the evolution of the buyer, this is, uh, this is real and it's very different. 70% of the buyer's journey is complete before they reach out to sales. How is it complete? Uh, So the evolution is we are a self-educating buyer now or consumer. And we go and we research and we look and we read. And if your marketing team isn't in the education business, you are missing so many opportunities. As a marketer, we have to be relevant. We have to understand the buyer. We have to understand their problem. And we have to offer solutions so that when they are searching and learning, the answer is obvious. And it's obviously your company. And then they pick up the phone and or send in their order or fill out the contact form. So marketing comes first because we're, we're the education department. That's our job. Mm-hmm. It comes before the sales process even starts. I love that you use the word education. That's the key. You know, I mean, a lot of people, again, I hear when you're putting out marketing materials, we're putting out things that are talking about our services or our benefits and what we provide. It's it's the we, right? We need to be talking about our consumers and what their problems and needs are and educating them. That's mm-hmm. very it's, critical. And a lot of times I think marketing departments are just they actually create proposals for sales right and mm-hmm. so that's they're they're making things pretty for sales and i think they need to change their mindset for that education piece it's really important and i just got done reading uh, a book it's they ask you answer and it's a great book that just walks through actually somebody that did this for the pool industry which isn't completely sexy and awesome right for, for the pool industry but what he did is he basically took all of these questions that people were asking and started to answer them, except online with video and on his blog, and just the traction and the uh, the traffic that he got from it. So it's a good story that was told, but I just got done reading that book. And so if anybody's looking for a resource, I think it's a perfect one. 
We will uh, put a link to that in the show notes. And I also do want to note that we have a lot of the slides from uh, Jennifer's presentation with these stats that we'll post on our website, uh, amawestmichigan.org. So it'll definitely be worth your time to go over and check out some of these graphics. I mean, it really walks down a lot of this prox- the, the process, the breaking of the silos and whatnot. Um, on that topic, I do want to kind of, I think that's a, a natural progression to talk a little bit about the funnel. So the education piece of it. So we're, we have our personas and we're trying to figure out what type of problems they are trying to solve and how to reach them. So as the marketers then, with our educational pieces, how do we, how do we move them and how does that path look to get them down the funnel into a conversion for sales? We, um, there's so many models that you can use to put people into a, a stage or a funnel or whatever. Um, I have this one that goes back to, uh, you know, Grand Valley just a couple years ago when I was a student there. Um, unaware, aware, interest, decide, action, satisfaction. And so that's, that's sort of like as you're looking at it, there's leads, there's marketing qualified leads, there's sales qualified leads, and then there's customers. And the way we speak to these people throughout this process, um, there are some pretty well proven approaches um, for each phase. So up at the top, when we, we're just trying to get somebody to be aware that we exist, right? We're talking about social media, uh, maybe some AdWords and some display, um, blogs, newsletters, very like, hey, this is what, this is what we do. Um, when we start to get people interested, and in my, in my book, a marketing qualified lead is someone who has raised their hand in some way and said, I'm interested. They're, they're multiple website visits. They've, they've downloaded a piece of paper, signed up for the blog or whatever. With them, that's when we start to do a little bit more of that outbound. Hey, are you interested in this? Are you interested in that? Or um, offer them to have a free demo or something like that. Sign up for a webinar. Uh, or hey, you're interested in this? Read the whole ebook, right? Give them give them more information, not about your products and services. Give them information about the problems you solve. That's that's really the key. And then when we come into the sales qualified, now it's now it's time to hey, how about a free 30 day trial? Or it's do you want to talk to a rep? Do you want to talk to somebody who can help you take this farther? So those are just some high-level examples. And like you said, those are all on the slides, and, and you can find a lot of them online. But it's the mix of them, I think, that, that keeps people interacting with you and interested. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate, because I love that, give them information not about your products and services, but about the problems that you solve. Very key. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like dating. You're like <laughs> courting, right. and then you strike up a conversation, and then you might go dance. Maybe you hold hands later, and it, then you start commitment. It is because nobody nobody gets married after the first date, or they shouldn't, right? So the minute that somebody first visits your website, <laughs> do you want to buy? It, the, it the analogy, off. yes, it is. It's creepy, right? <laughs> it Somebody's creepy. like, "Hey, marry me," and that's like, you shouldn't do that on your website either. Yeah. Whoa, what pump you're the brakes! Yeah. Slow down, slow down. The so, analogy totally works. At least buy me a drink first, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. discuss. So think about your call to action. It's just, you know, I think uh, it was uh, when you oh get started. What does that really mean? You know, so really think about what you're saying to your audience, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be "Please marry me" because that gets creepy. <laughs> right. I, I like the old "Learn more" button. Right. Yeah. I'd like to learn. <laughs> more that's that sounds safe that's that's a good start right (laughs) and there's something about like the empathetic factor of that too right you are empathizing with the customer and so you're really kind of taking on their lens and providing that information to them yeah there is you know there is no button that says start stalking me but sometimes I feel that that's what's happening you know (laughs) and I just wanted to learn more and now you're emailing me four times a day somehow they're texting me and they're starting to call there should never be a uh, start stalking me button either implied or it's creepy creepy. and they're not going to buy from you until they trust you right we all as marketers and as salespeople, we all know that trust is important so how do you build that trust from the get-go and I think that's the important thing about the funnel is you're not starting with marry me you're building trust by educating them and Mm -hmm. raising awareness also about your company but really educating them gathering that trust you're showing them that you understand yes you understand the process we understand your pain points it's not just about the feature that we offer yeah and it goes back to that what that stat only three percent of buyers trust reps like this is our perfect time to start building that trust Mm -hmm. yep we are the trust builders us us marketers we're we're 
bridging that gap. We're building those relationships. So please don't be creepy. Don't be be a creeper. Don't be a stalker. (laughs) Now, if I have a couple of my stats from the lunch down correctly on that, too, you said if if leads are responded to within five minutes, they're 100 times more likely to convert. Is that correct? Yes. I'm going back to that slide myself right now. Um, it was it was research that was done by a group called Inside Sales some years ago, and it was it was absolutely crazy. Like when somebody says, "Yeah, follow up with me," do it. Um, the, the the statistics were staggering on how much uh, better things converted if you simply did what they asked you to do immediately. Uh, if you waited twenty four hours, it was uh, like a th- reduction by like seventy eighty percent. It was re- wow. absolutely ridiculous. So when you offer people something. Part of them trusting you, right, is that you offered it to them, so you should probably do what you offered. Uh, you lose trust, and out it goes, right? And I also had in here uh, that things need to be said seven times before they sink in. That's one of my favorites. Um, I've heard eight now, but I still think eight. I, I know. Come on. I still think seven. Going up. And uh, I think it was uh, Donald Miller who said another one that I absolutely love. If you confuse, you'll lose. Uh, yeah. Uh, so say, get your message down. Be able to say it succinctly and quickly and say it over and over and over again. Because while you are tired of hearing it, it did not sink in the first six times with your audience. So get used to it. And it's a great way for, I think, marketing to relate to sales when it's not just the salesperson sending that follow-up email, that phone call, you know, that stalking of that person. If marketing can put them in a little drip campaign and start to message them, start to highlight some things. So it's important for that them both to do it. Mm-hmm softens that stocking a little bit, right? It does, it does. <laughs> it's like a mint on the pillow. <laughs> uh, okay, so it, is there anything that we missed? Because we've got a couple questions before you, personal questions, really very personal, digging deep questions that we want to ask you. I hate these. Um, but did we cover all of the detail? I think we covered pretty much what we covered in the lunch as far as all the key aspects. I've got a question for you, Jennifer. Okay. This is such a great topic, and I know we've got a lot of people who are really interested in this. Where can people go to learn more about this particular type of marketing? What are some of your favorite resources? Good question. Good question. On the marketing operations side, there is a really good free um, blog from HubSpot that I tend to get a ton of articles and information from. Um, I really like their materials. Um, I actually uh, have recently, you know, you get, I'm an iPhone user, and so they have the news section there that you can actually have alerts, and I'll look up things as marketing operations, digital marketing, uh, and so I've actually got an inbox flood of content marketing resources that just helps kind of give those nuggets of information, which I found very, very useful. Awesome. We'll grab some of those from you, and we'll post them on the that would be the show notes. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else before we uh, wrap things up here and ask you guys some deep diving questions? Well, I can kind of sum it up if you would like. I would love a summary. All right, so number one, the buyer has changed. Never forget that the buyer has changed. Think of how your own buying behaviors have changed and you'll get it immediately. Um, Don't do anything until you're sure your marketing goals are in alignment with your overall organizational goals. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, very important. And have some organizational goals, maybe, yes. if you don't already. Clarity is key. You might think that you're clear. Say it again. Say it seven more times, seven as times. we said, right? Or maybe eight, just yes. to be safe. Yes. And I always feel like I'm over-communicating, um, but that's that's part of the key, right? Do you Are you sure we're on the same page? Can we draw it out? Can we make sure again that we're on the same page? Um, because there are a lot of areas for confusion when you're talking about some of these wide sweeping changes like this. Um, I think it's important to bring up respect. Uh, we need to stop poking at each other, sales, marketing, and have respect for the unique parts and talents that we each bring to the table in providing a whole solution. Uh, so no more making fun of each other. Yeah, salespeople. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, automation equals scale. So if you are an organization that has grown to a point um, and you're stuck, it means that everything you have done to this point is awesome. And it might not work to get you to the next level. It doesn't mean it was bad. It just means you need to change. And a lot of times, some simple automation will get you that lift that you need mm. to get to the next level. Um, and one of our favorites, I think, is absolute transparency on what worked and what didn't work. Because uh, no one 
is perfect. And uh, there are marketing campaigns that were great ideas that ended horribly. And it's just as important to share those as it is to share the successes or you're not real and you're not going to have that respect that we're talking about, right? We need that authentic trust and respect between the departments to make any of this work. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. So a couple of questions here just on the personal development side for both of you. Jennifer, we'll start with you. And then, Adam, take notes because you'll be answering them next. Oh, boy. Uh, what, who or what inspires you, Jennifer? Oh, my goodness. There's so many, so many in this space. I don't even know where to start. I'm a huge fan of uh, some of the supply chain gurus like Peter Drucker. Uh, and folks like that. Um, I had been reading American Icon, which is this amazing story of how Alan Mulally saved Ford. Uh, And he has this clarity in communication and process that just gets me so pumped up. To to, to imagine taking an organization like that uh, and and creating clarity. Um, And he really made it, he brought it down to the simplest, you know, the simplest of things. And every time I go into an organization now, I love trying to figure out how could we make this clearer? How could we make this easier? As an outsider, what am I seeing You know that they might not be seeing? And I, I absolutely get inspiration from each and every one of our clients um, because they get so excited as we start to tackle some of these things and they see it. They see it start to happen. So it's a, I guess it's a combination, right? But boy, our clients are really inspiring. That's awesome. I love that. Number two, what is your favorite uh, personal development, business, or marketing-related book? Oh, see, there's a lot of those as well. I I truly love Simon Sinek. Um, I have read, I think, everything by him. And one of my absolute favorites is Why, Why Leaders Eat Last. Uh, it makes so much sense to me. Um, on the marketing side, because that's a little bit more leadership, leadership-focused. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not but still sure, great. but Fantastic still great. Yeah. I'm currently reading Radical Candor, which I think is a fascinating, um, especially here in West Michigan, right? Oh, just say it, right? We're too nice. <laughs> we're too We're too nice. Uh, Radical Candor is this approach in which we, um, we're not doing anybody any favors by not saying what we really think. Oh, interesting. Right? In the long run, uh-huh. we're, 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 truly, yeah. we're truly not. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would say that for any, any person, any, anyone trying to uh, gain clarity and even just feel better about yourself, it's a, that's a brilliant practice to put yourself through. Interesting. Radical candor. I'm yep. putting that one on my list. Put it in the show notes. We'll put yep, a link yep. there. And then if you could boil down what you've learned in your career to one piece of advice for others, what would that be? <laughs> Oh, my Come goodness. Come on, that's an easy one, right? <laughs> the million-dollar question. One piece of advice. Just one. That's it. Mm. Five words. Okay. That's, that's end of the day. Long day. One piece of advice is that not, nothing is going to turn out like you thought it would, and that is okay. I like that. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still going to turn okay, out. Right? It's still going to turn out. It's just not what you thought. And and every experience is an opportunity to learn something. I'm always amazed at how I'll be having a conversation with a client and I'll say, well, you know, the, the drivetrain for those semi-trucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they'll look at me and I'll realize my initial job with uh, Weller Truck Parts just was helpful in a conversation, right, that I had here 30 years later. All of our experiences, we are the sum of all of our experiences, Mm -hmm. good, bad, and otherwise. And I think that's something that um, everyone should take a moment and just appreciate. Yes, I can tell you what kind of ice cubes are in your drink. I worked for an ice, you know, I worked for creative ice. And those things are all awesome. Every experience. I love it. Pause and take a moment there, because that is that is excellent advice. Let it sink in. Let and it sink you, in. And a lot of times you have to take that first bold step to get to that point. So mm-hmm. keep stepping. Adam, on to no you. No pressure being the yeah. second person to go now. Bar is set pretty high. Hope you got some oh, good answers. Good, good answers I know. There, at least I had a second to think about it. So, <laughs> Who or what inspires you? So right now, the person that inspires me, I love watching Rand Fishkin from Moz. His Whiteboard Fridays, how he gets up there and can quickly like tell a story in two to five minutes. I, you know, I love watching it. Actually, at a fault, I probably... I, put it on, listen to it in the car and just kind of connect with him in the car. So I don't watch it. I just listen. So that's, that's somebody that's inspiring right now. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Just he is a cool guy. So a little quirky. It's fun to watch. So love it. I am not familiar. I'm going to check him out and put him in the show notes and check out the link. 
What is your favorite personal development, business, or marketing-related book? So I mentioned the They Ask You Answer, just because it's relevant to, I think, this topic. But the other one is Five Dysfunctions of the Team. If you haven't mm. read that book, even if you're uh, you know, a manager, a leadership team member, running a company, I think it's a very, very important book to read and soak in. I've heard, I've heard great things about it. Never the basis it of everything, right? In his entire, the entire premise is trust. It's trust. Yeah. It's yep. trust. It's, it's a, very, it's very important. Read. So if you're managing a small team or a large team, it doesn't matter. You should read that book. All about relationships. All right. If you could boil down what you've learned in your career to one piece of advice for others, what would that be? Uh, so I think one important piece is always be networking. I think all I think we live in an area right now, which is in West Michigan, which is great to network with. But I always encourage anybody I talk to at the high school, college, or just getting done graduating is you have to get out there and network with people. That has never been a fault of for me. It's always who I know that will always bridge that gap between I have to meet someone or I'm in a tough spot. It's always about that network that you create. So network, 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 get to know people. We met because we both volunteered to uh, help with the initial TEDx Grand Rapids event. So as volunteers for a, an entity that we didn't understand, we ran into each other and here we are, you know, years, nine years later. We worked together, nine she was a client, later. and now we're, we're partners That's together. Awesome. So it's that network that you create, being authentic and getting to know real people, I think is really, really key. That is also where Adam and I met. So hey, look at now you're back yeah. on the podcast. It's like it's Grand Rapids. World. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish there was an organization here locally where marketers mm. could meet and converse about topics like this. Megan, do you have any thoughts there on There might be. There might be one. <laughs> yes. We would definitely love to see all of our listeners at, you know, our upcoming AMA West Michigan events. I will just mention our season closer. We're, we're sad that our season is coming to a close, but this is going to be a great event on May 14th. Uh, we've got a great speaker coming in. Her name is Melanie Dizel, and she's going to talk about thinking like a journalist, the five key elements of effective brand stories. So definitely want to make sure that you sign up for that one. Yeah, and we're, we're going to keep the podcast going. I know there's a little lull through the summer, but um, Megan is awesome, and she's working on lining up some great guests. So we're going to keep the information. We're going to keep the podcast coming. And if I can be a testimonial for the AMA, I moved to Grand Rapids here just a couple of years ago, and the people that I've met, the people that are sitting at the table here with me, I mean, this is an amazing experience. And when Megan said we're looking for somebody to do podcasts, I was I was elated because I was wanting to get involved with the AMA. So this, for me, is an opportunity just to, to learn and meet people. So, yeah, AMA, go online, go to the National AMA, AMA. Uh, AMAWestMichigan.org for us. But I will agree with you, and it's just such an honor. And I want to thank you guys again yes. for coming on today. Yes, One of the things that I love the most about, uh, you know, n not only AMA, but just marketing in general, is meeting some just amazing people. And we have so many talented marketers here. You, you both included. Um, so thank you so much for, for being here and, and, and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Tonight I will be dreaming of cascading KPIs. Yes, we, we've got a bunch of marketing things to dream about tonight. <laughs> We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe and share our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Don't forget important links, content, and resources will be included in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. What will you do with the information you learned today? Be inspired. Be creative, be bold, set your marketing in motion.